If you're tuning into this podcast, it shows you care a great deal about your child's health. So I want to share with you my video course on nutrient supplementation for children that I just published on udemy.com. If you check the description of this episode for the link to my website where you can sign up to my mailing list, as soon as you sign up, I'm going to send you a voucher so that you can get this video course for free. And in the course, I'm going to discuss the most important supplements for children and how to pick quality supplements, how to avoid poor quality ingredients, how to avoid potentially harmful extra ingredients, and basically how to steer clear of the marketing ploys designed to sell us inferior quality supplements. So I hope that you get value out of this course. I'm sure that if you apply the knowledge you learn in it, you will save not just time researching these supplements, but also money. And most importantly, you will get the best quality supplements that your budget will allow so that you can provide your child with the nutritional support that they need. So check out the description for the link to my website where you can sign up to my mailing list. And as I said, as soon as you sign up, I'll send you the the coupon to get the course for free. And if you do sign up, please let me know how you find it. If there's any other information you would like me to include or any other feedback, I would be very grateful if you could send me that. Thank you. Welcome to the Autism Wellbeing Plan, the podcast where you learn how to use advanced functional lab testing, healthy diet and smart supplementation to improve your child's health, well-being and quality of life, and by extension, your own quality of life. Please remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only and always consult your healthcare practitioner before implementing anything discussed here. Now, here's your host and author of the book, Autism Wellbeing Plan, How to Get Your Child Healthy. Christian Yordanoff. In this episode, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about expecting challenges on your child's journey to improved health, right? So this is something that is important to be aware at the start of your child's um, health building program, because what can often happen is you may get periods of time where it appears that they're there's something wrong or, you know, something isn't right. Um, And you you basically see some reactions that you may panic and you may think that, you know, your practitioner or your doctor um, doesn't know what they're talking about, what they're doing is making your child worse, what they're recommending and so on. But what is important to understand when, when you start uh, any kind of program uh, that is meant to improve someone's health, um, there it's not a linear process. This is very important to to grasp, right? So it's not a point A to point B type of process. It's more of a zigzag. Um, you can liken it to one step, two steps forward, one step back, that kind of thing. So um, I'm going to go over a few of the most common scenarios that you need to be cognizant of and expect and be prepared for. Now, that's not to say you will always see these scenarios. Um, For example, uh, the first, in fact, let me just jump into into the actual scenarios just to to give examples as we go, right? So the first and one of probably the most common is what is known as a die-off reaction. 
the medical term is also a Hertzheimer reaction. And there's another term called the cleansing reaction. So these tend to all be um, a term to, for, for what happens when you start some type of pathogen eradication protocol and the pathogens inside your child's gut, uh, be they yeast or bacteria or parasites, as they die, what happens is their cell walls will break open and all the uh, toxins inside, um, you know, ke various chemicals and, and so on, so bacterial toxins and Occasionally, you know, things like they're the fragments of the cell walls, so also things known as lipopolysaccharides and so on. So various toxic metabolites, um, metabolic byproducts and so on, they will spill out of those bacterial cell walls. And of course, now what can happen is, especially when there's a leaky gut or intestinal permeability, those um, toxins, they can get, they can slip through the the cracks in the intestines or the, the gaps between the intestinal cells and they can slip into the bloodstream. Now, once there, obviously the immune system will perceive them as antigens, foreign invaders. So it will start revving up its uh, immune processes and this can cause inflammation. Um, it can cause various other kind of uh, uncomfortable uh, things to happen to your child. For example, sweating, hyperactivity, um, in some cases, aggression, in some cases, lethargy. Um, occasionally, it could be hyperactivity for a while, maybe a day or two, followed by lethargy for, for a day or two, and then you would you know see a, a, an improvement. So this is probably the most common one. Now, that's not to say if you start, let's say, a herbal pathogen protocol, let's say you, you run the organic acids test and you see some, um, let's say, yeast, candida on the test, and your practitioner recommends something like biocidin, which is a very nice tasting liquid tincture of various herbs that works really well for all sorts of parasitic yeast, bacterial, um, overgrowths and so on. And it also has all those herbs have anti-inflammatory properties and so on. And let's say you, you start that protocol. If you do it as you're supposed to by titrating it up. So from let's say one drop of the liquid up to however many gradually, it's not necessarily to say that your child will experience this reaction, right? But what is important to know if your child does experience some type of die-off reaction or Hertzheimer reaction, is that you need to, obviously, under the advisement of your healthcare practitioner, you need to reduce that um, serving or dose of whatever you're doing. So be it the biocidin herbal, be it um, antifungals, be it antibiotics. So you, you, one of the best bets to do at that point is to reduce it. By reducing the pathogen protocol, what you are doing is you are allowing the body to cope with the existing bacterial die-off without adding more fuel to the fire, as it were, right? So after, you know, you the, the body clears out 
this, uh, let's say you, you reduce it to half after the body clears out the current load of bacteria, toxins, and so on, then you can start gradually increasing it again. And now the body, theoretically, what should happen is now there's less of a burden of these pathogenic organisms. So now the body has less, basically, gunk or toxins to clear out. So so that's the, the most common die-off reaction, right? Now, in these instances, what, what other things are important to consider? So obviously you want to keep your child well hydrated and you want to keep your child pooping regularly. The last thing you want them uh, is to be constipated, right? So in these instances, obviously uh, liquids, water, uh, and what can help is um, magnesium citrate, which is a form of magnesium that can loosen stools. It can kind of help the, 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 the bowels keep um, keep moving, right? So you, you may consider adding some magnesium citrate in those times to keep your child's bowels moving. Um, in slightly more severe reactions, which you obviously want to avoid more severe reactions at all costs, but occasionally, like let's say if you're taking um, an antibiotic that, you know, there's a set dose, you can't really do, use drops like a herbal, and you can, instead of using four drops, you use one drop, with an antibiotic, you might, you know, even the, the smallest dose that you can break the pill in might be too strong. So in, in certain cases, it may, your practitioner may, may recommend some binder such as charcoal, activated charcoal, or zeolite clay. So having those, um, you know, around the house in more severe cases, hopefully that they don't happen, of course, having those um, binders is a good idea. To, so what they do is, when you take the binder, like charcoal, um, it absorbs a lot of stuff that's in the gut. And, you know, a lot of that stuff will be bacterial metabolites, bacterial toxins, cell wall fragments, and so on. Obviously, it will absorb other stuff. So you want to take it away from food, away from supplements, because um, it it is counterproductive at, that, at those times. With Charcoal, generally a couple of hours be before or after meals would be the best time to, to kind of take it, right? Yeah, so, so that's the, uh, the die-off reaction when you start the pathogen eradication protocol. Now, there's a couple of other um, times where you may kind of basically, um, you may see some type of uh, anxiety or irritability or potentially, you know, sleep trouble, insomnia, nausea, digestive upset. That is when the body is dumping um, excess copper. So as I've covered in previous episodes and we'll continue to cover in future episodes, this is one of an excess of copper and a low zinc is the most common imbalance in autistic children. Um, and Generally, how that would be addressed is, let's say you run the, the blood test and the hair test, you see there is an imbalance in copper. Generally, what is done is things like vitamin B6 and zinc are added to the protocol, to the supplement protocol. Now, when you add the zinc, that acts as an antagonist to copper and the body starts pushing copper out of various places. So, Copper can bioaccumulate in the liver, in various um, uh, organs and tissues, including the brain, right? Where it can cause significant amount of damage 
because it's a pro-oxidant, it can cause oxidative stress when in, in excess. So when, when you add zinc to the protocol, this is why it's so important to work with a practitioner because you don't just want to randomly start supplementing things that could potentially cause this kind of stuff because you, you, you might be like, what is happening, you know? So anyway, you, you, add, you add the zinc to the protocol and at this point, copper starts getting excreted. And this can cause a variety of symptoms uh, for, for a while. Some, in some cases, it can last quite a while especially if there's a huge accumulation of copper. Now, I've seen um, women in their 30s and in their 50s go through a process of excreting copper, and it has been a very uncomfortable process for them, right? So um, in one case, I remember testing many months after the, after seeing the high copper on, a, on an in initial hair test, Testing it, I think maybe nine months later, the copper was still very high, right? So that that generally means that there was a lot of copper being accumulated. Now we're talking about a person that's nearly sixty in this case, so th there was a lot of copper being accumulated over many, over you know, a significant uh, period of time, many years and decades. Um, so this process definitely was going to not be, you know, a week or too long. And I remember at the start of the process when we actually uh, noticed that the, the hair uh, copper significantly increased, uh, the lady had a lot of, um, you know, sweating and just kind of emotional. Uh, let, let's just say, um, how, do I, how do I say it? Just emotional um, uh, ups and downs which is very common with copper uh, excess. And what happens when you start dumping the copper, you, you temporarily um, exhibit the symptoms of a copper excess. And these are generally anxiety, irritability, insomnia, even skin problems, as I mentioned, digestive upset. So definitely there was a lot of very variable sweating at night, so on. There was very variable symptoms for a, a, a time until a significant amount of that copper was, was um, excreted. So with uh, autistic children, obviously they haven't had many years and decades to bioaccumulate copper, but they are still going to, at one point, need to excrete that copper, you know, through the poop, through the bio, through the sweat, whatever, through the hair, whatever way the body um, thinks is best, right? But generally what you do when you push something out of the tissues, it has to go through the blood on its way to being excreted. And this is where the biochemical um, uh, imbalances occur for a time. And this is what can cause these symptoms. The same story I'll cover in a second with heavy metals, right? But um, so this is one, just to kind of wrap up this point is basically, if you do find an excess of copper and you do start the, the zinc uh, supplementation with B6 to balance that out. There may be a, it's, it's all right to expect a period of discomfort, right? So hyperactivity, irritability, things like that. Um, at that point, similarly to what you do with the pathogen protocol is you would reduce the zinc, right? So you don't want to antagonize the copper further. You want to let the body deal with the current burden or load or, or copper that needs to be excreted. And then after, you know, the, the symptoms subside for a little bit, then you would kind of start 
increasing the, the zinc supplementation a lot. And again, staying hydrated, taking the, you know, the B vitamins and just taking all the other supplements is still important. You know, things like digestive enzymes, um, probiotics, fish oil, all these things are just generally always important to take every day, calcium, magnesium, vitamins, and so on. But you just would kind of turn down the zinc for a little bit to get, to give the body a chance to kind of deal with it. Now, similar to this point, um, is the excretion of high levels of toxic metals can also cause temporary symptoms. Now, again, the body needs to, um, it's a generally heavy metals are quickly sequestered away from the blood. The body, you know, kind of pushes them out. And unfortunately the blood is buffered to very tight ranges at the expense of the tissues. So generally those heavy metals will make their way into organs, tissues, uh, even, you know, places like the brain, the liver, uh, kidneys. And what will happen is when you start, you know, uh, getting the person healthier, uh, adding minerals, things like, uh, again, zinc is a, is a big catalyst for, for this. When you, when the body has newfound energy to start excreting these heavy metals, um, you know, the person, might get uh, um, this temporary kind of uh, symptomatology, right? Until the body deals with the burden, it, it it can come in phases, right? So it's it's this is where the two steps forward, one step back kind of uh, example really makes a lot of sense because when you think about it, and I, I've noticed this with you know my my adult clients, right? Is someone you put someone on a very good diet, take out the the foods that they're sensitive to. And then you add a, a few supplements, you know, one at a time, but these are really power, powerful supplements. Uh, you know, they they might just be amino acids, vitamins, and minerals, but they're very powerful, you know, and you, you add these, let's say five to 10 supplements and the person starts feeling really good for a while, like a lot of energy and so on. And then bam, uh, suddenly uh, they're almost, um, you know, they almost lose all the hopes. Like, what happened? This program is BS, and so on. And what is actually happening is the body is now, with its newfound energy, it's cleaning house, right? So, at this point, if you do, for example, a hair test on a person like this, in this point, and you take very little hair to see what's been going on, let's say, you take a about a centimeter of hair. That's about a month, right? Uh, of history of the of the metals and the minerals if you take this hair right now at this point what would generally happen is um a lot of heavy metals will be shown to be excreted and in, in certain cases especially with women and especially with autistic children the copper generally shoots right up the body's excreting it right so seeing heavy metals a lot of heavy metals on a hair test at this point is actually a great thing. It means the body's pushing it out. In, in very occasionally, very, very rarely, it just means an increased toxic metal burden. But more often than not, it just means the body's using its newfound energy to, 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 to you know, push all these um, toxic sub substances out of, out of it every which way it can. So through, the, through the urine, through the poop, the bile, which eventually ends up as poop, um, sweat, uh, it, uh, through the hair and so on. Right. So it, 
like I said, it 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 will um, it not necessarily if it's a gradual program uh, and the person you know gets to ha- like children have the the amazing ability of being able to heal very quickly, you know, um, with with kind of if you're in your forties fifties and you've had a lot of damage accumulated over the decades, it will take longer. So there might be a lot more ups and downs with children. Generally, you know, they might have like, um, like one, one kind of week or a few days of kind of lethargy or hyperactivity. And generally if, if the burden isn't massive, um, they would tend to get better much faster. Right. And kind of get back to normal. So this is like the, the three main ones, right? So, uh, bacterial die off, you know, when you do the pathogen eradication protocol, generally at the start, or if you crank it up quite a lot very quickly, and then the uh, the excretion of uh, toxic metals, and when there is an excess of copper, that so, like I said, not necessarily that it will happen, but it's important to be prepared for these times, and you know, have have the tools in your disposal. Uh, the tools in your arsenal to deal with it. And what are the tools again? So obviously the, the basics are hydrating your child, keeping them pooping regularly, a lot of cooked vegetables, kind of soups, things like that, just to keep the keep the, the, the bowels moving. Other tools, um, strong nutritional program, all the, the daily supplements to support digestion, to support brain um, uh, development and brain function, you know, uh, uh, multivitamins, B vitamins, especially, um, minerals. So those are the tools. And then, uh, th- those are the basics. And then in slightly more kind of, um, like I said, severe die off reactions, having the binders like charcoal and, uh, uh, zeolite clay, having the magnesium citrate to, you know, to, to, to keep your child pooping regularly, um, uh, be knowing, of course, knowing to reduce the pathogen protocol or reduce the, let's say the zinc or the minerals that are causing, you know, this um, dumping of, of the toxic metals. So just reducing, working with your practitioner or your doctor to reduce the, the program during this kind of period of sta- stabilization. So that's important to know, right? The final one I just want to cover is uh, you may you may remember I was talking about oxalate's role in autism and um, the low oxalate diet and so on. So very briefly, oxalates are these kind of organic acids found in many, especially plant foods. And what they can do is they can bind with minerals in the body and in the gut, and they can create these oxalate crystals that can lodge themselves in various places, the muscles, um, uh organs, the skin, even even the eyes and the brain in some cases, and kidneys, they can form kidney stones. So oxalates are very often elevated in autistic children. And the easiest way to test for that is the, you know, the organic acids test has a marker for oxalates, right? But um, generally, when you do find high, high oxalates, what you would do is obviously there's a few supplements, the antifungal pro- protocol, and uh, you would start the low oxalate diet. And you, as I mentioned in that, that episode, and I'll probably re-record it with this new microphone, but um, you want to reduce the oxalate content of your child's diet very gradually, something like 5 to 10% a week. So let's say the first week you just 
take the spinach out. Second week, you know, you might reduce the, the wheat product. So very gradually, because what can happen is uh, when you suddenly take away the oxalate containing foods, the body will may start just kind of dumping it all out of the tissues. And this can be an extremely um, uncomfortable process. So it can cause similar discomfort and symptomatology similar to like any other cleansing reactions of so sweating, um, uh, irritability, anxiety, insomnia, even aggression. And even uh, with oxalates, it can cause a lot of pain, right? So this is very important to to never get get yourself in that situation. If you ever do decide to uh, do the low oxalate diet, you definitely want to follow the, I think lowoxalate.info is the best place to to to, to kind of get the, the requisite knowledge to do the diet, but uh, you you, re- you just really want to take your time with it. Like I said, five to 10% per week. You never want to find yourself in this situation where the, the your child's body is dumping oxalates and it's an extremely uncomfortable process and you're worrying about it. So just to wrap things up, you want to avoid these extremely challenging situations, but a little bit, you know, a little bit within reason is okay when someone's health is improving and their their body is uh, getting rid of, you know, substances or compounds that do not belong there, like bacterial toxins, excess copper, uh, aluminum, mercury, cadmium. So it's it's not uh, getting healthy. Is not all, you know, it's not a walk in the park. And as I mentioned, you know, kids, in a sense, you're lucky because kids generally are just, you know, their metabolisms are much faster and they can really respond well to nutritional programs and so on. With adults, like I said, I've, 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 I've had clients um, f- for months kind of going through ups and downs and ups and downs. But, you know, generally after nine to 12 months, even like, pretty some would consider intractable cases after nine to 12 months generally you see tremendous improvement you know unless there's some serious problem like you know like Lyme disease or chronic mold or um, just some kind of you know unidentified um, problem like genetics or or, you know mold is a a, you know is is a fairly kind of common example where the only way then to get get um, themselves out of the situation is to move house and just do these really long sauna protocols and uh, cleansing protocols. But in most cases, especially with smaller children, you want to kind of, uh, you don't really want to see these um, uh, challenging uh, periods be more than a day, two, three, four, anything after four days um, and if it doesn't seem to be getting better, certainly you want to keep in touch with your practitioner. But I would, at those times, you know, if it's, if it's more than four days, you you would want to start thinking, Could are you introducing a food that their child could be reacting to? Could it be a new supplement that they're reacting to? Could there be, um, you know, a sudden exposure to toxins like uh, heavy metals or chemicals? You know, let's say, um, you know, you were in a different place and there, there you know, there, there, uh, there was like a, a, a newly introduced um, environmental variable that could be causing this, right? So 
I think about three, three, four days is where you would start to be like, okay, there's some deeper investigation that needs to be done here. But generally, like I said, a couple of days of, you know, uh, irritability or hyperactivity, you, you would seriously just want to consider, is this because the protocol is working? And is, you know, is it of a level that is comfortable enough for, for my child and obviously work with your, with your practitioner in those times just to kind of augment the protocol during those times. So I hope that this kind of gives you a little bit of a, um, I guess, uh, another viewpoint on how a healing or health building program or process should look. And of course, it's not, it's not ever is something as simple as changing the diet and sleeping more and, and, you know, eating better and taking supplements. It's, that's not enough because the body now with its, with these new tools given to it and these new opportunities given to it, it still needs to do the work and it will do the work if given the right circumstances, the energy and the substrates and the minerals and the vitamins and the amino acids and sleep and so on, it will do the work. But it's like if you can picture like a spring cleaning when you clean out the house from top to bottom, well, until you get that at the end of that day or weekend, until you get that beautiful, you know, clean house, that entire process has been pretty messy. A lot of dust uh, and rubbish has to, you know, come up and be thrown out and so on. So it's a similar way when we're dealing with, you know, Heavy, lodged heavy metals and bacterial toxins. And it's just, um, it's a process, you know, so it's, it's important to be prepared to understand that it's a part of the journey, but definitely, you know, you want to control it and, and, and make it as, as comfortable as possible for your child as, as, as you can, you know? So I hope that you found this uh, episode uh, uh, helpful, useful, and I hope to see you on the next one. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Please help us to spread this vital information by rating the podcast on iTunes and sharing it with others who may find the information useful. For further content and resources, go to christianjordanoff.com. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the book Autism Wellbeing Plan today, available on Amazon.